Well, thank you so much. One of the things you don't know is that Steve and I will meet during the week and he tells me what he's going to be singing on Sunday. Not only does he tell me what he's going to be singing, but he will go into it and start singing it. He says, and then I'm going to say, we'll praise his holy. And they're a lot better than you, Steve. I just thought I would point that out. Well, we have begun a study in John's letter, his first John. It was a general letter that was to be circulated among the churches. John was a pastor, and he writes from a pastor's heart. John, the author, was known as the Apostle of Love. And I think that is obvious because so often his greeting to his reader was beloved. He oftentimes used the word beloved. So he loved his audience. He loved the church. But the reason he was called the Apostle of Love was not so much because he was loving. It was because of the number of times in the Scripture that the Bible states that Jesus loved John. It sort of reminds me, I was thinking this morning, my wife has a t-shirt, and I think sometimes she wears it just to aggravate people, but the t-shirt says, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. (laughs) Well, I, I, I get that feeling concerning John. You know, there must have been some of that, because so many times in Scripture, the Bible will say that the Lord loved John. For instance, at the cross, the Bible says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved. So when Jesus then was dying on the cross, he took time out from his suffering to trust the care of his mother to John, the disciple Jesus loved. And then at the cemetery, the Bible says in John 20, verse 2, And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And that again is a reference to John. In John chapter 21, verse 7, that disciple, therefore, for whom Jesus loved. And that also is a reference to John. So many times in the Bible, it is referred to as the disciple. He is referred to as the disciple Jesus loved. John was not always the Apostle of Love. In fact, Jesus gave John a nickname. He called him Boanerges. In Mark chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. So there was a time in John's life when he was, um, he was, I think he was Southern Baptist at that time, because he just had that spirit about him. He was not always the apostle of love. He was son of thunder. In fact, in Luke chapter 9, the scripture tells the story about John wanting to call down fire from heaven on the heads of the Samaritans because they had not received Jesus. So there was a time in his life when he was younger that John had this bombastic attitude about life. He was not always the apostle of love, but today we're going to look at him as the apostle of love. Take your Bibles and we'll pick up where we left off. First John chapter 2, beginning in verse number 7. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, 
because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, as I look at these verses, there are some contrasts that I want you to see with me. The first being the new and the old. Now, again, in verse number seven, beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you. All right, so how then can a commandment be both old and new? How can it be both? Well, the Greeks had two words for new. One meant new in time. We would say something is brand new. It meant new in time. And the other meant new in quality. So they had two words. Well, when he's talking about the command here, he says that the command to love is not new in time. It is an old commandment. In fact, it goes back to the Old Testament. In, Luke, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, the Bible says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. All right? So when we talk about the command to love, it goes to the Old Testament. Sometimes when people think of God in the Old Testament, they think of Him as being austere. They think of Him as being not loving. But there Moses wrote in Leviticus that we are to love. It is an old command. So that has always been the will of God. It has always been the message of God that we are to love. And John is saying that the Christians had heard this command repeatedly. They had heard this old command that goes back to the Old Testament. For instance, Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. My friend, how does someone know that you're a Christian? Is it by the way that you dress? Is it by the songs that you sing? How, how does someone know if you are a Christian? Well, according to what Jesus said, it's because you love one another. That is the indication that someone knows the Lord. So they had heard that. The Apostle Paul had instructed them about love in Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Paul is saying that as, as believers, as followers of the Lord, we are to be devoted to each other. In brotherly love, he says in 1 Thessalonians 3.12, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another for all men. So Paul had told them that they were to love. They'd heard that. They heard it from Jesus. It goes back to the Old Testament. They had heard it from Jesus. They heard it from Paul. They even heard it from Simon Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. So, when John is saying that it is an old commandment and a new commandment, he is saying that it is not new in time, but it is new in quality. The command to love is not new in time, 
but it is new in quality. In verse number 8, on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away. You see, the understanding of love had been a conditional understanding. And, and some of you probably understand love as something that is conditional. I love you if, I love you when, I love you because. If you do what I want you to do, then I love you. When you do what I've talked to you about doing, then I love you. Because you have done what I wanted you to do, then I love you. It is a conditional love. In fact, I think that was the kind of love the elder brother had for the prodigal. I think that he must have loved his brother because they were brothers. But then when the younger brother received his inheritance, went out into the world and squandered his inheritance in loose living, he embarrassed the family. He was not doing the things that he was supposed to be doing. And so at that point, I think the elder brother no longer had love for the prodigal. Well, what Jesus did here is to raise the standard. Because at this time... Love had been understood as conditional. For many of us, it is still that way. Our love is conditional. Jesus raised the standard so it is new in quality. In fact, the Orthodox Jews believed that God wanted to annihilate the sinner. That it was God's desire to destroy the sinner. In fact, the rabbi said there is joy in heaven when one sinner is obliterated from the earth. I have known people like that. I remember being at the Southern Baptist Convention on one occasion and a preacher was preaching and I mean, he was just blistering all of us. He was just hammering us. And I was behind some preachers when they were leaving and so one of them said to the other, he said, you know, I'm saved too, but I'm not mad about it. <laughs> well, there, there are some who just seem that they're mad about it and, and that the whole thing is that God... God wants to annihilate the sinner. If someone is a sinner, God doesn't love them. God wants to annihilate them. And yet the Bible says what? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the command to love then is new in quality. It is no longer conditional. It is new in quality. Do you know every Christian child knows that? I mean, what is one of the first songs that a child learns? Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus loves me. This I know. They know that. But sometimes as adults we forget that. Jesus even prayed for those who crucified Him. So when the Bible says, that it, John says that I'm, I'm giving you a, a, a new commandment, an old commandment, it is, it is new in terms of quality, but in, not in terms of time. It is an old command. Going back to the Old Testament, but it is new in quality because it is not a conditional love. It's unconditional. And then there's in him and in you in verse number 8. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So what John is saying now, this understanding of love of which I speak, this understanding of love, it is in Christ, and if you are a follower of Christ, he says, then it is in you. 
Now, Jesus demonstrated, he illustrated this kind of love. He loved the disciples, though they were not perfect. Simon Peter, sometimes I think Simon Peter would have been hard to love. He was bombastic. He was always talking. You know, I mean, his mouth moved much quicker than his brain. And I identify with that. You know, that, that, is, a, that is a characteristic that I sometimes have. I speak now, think later. And, and Simon Peter did that. So you know the story of Peter as to how he denied the Lord. He stood there and said, I, I don't know who he is. He denied him. Did Jesus stop loving him? Oh, Jesus loved him. You remember when Jesus invited Peter to him and he says, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, well, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my people. You see, Jesus still loved him and still had something for him to do. He never stopped loving Peter, even though he denied him. What about Thomas? Thomas doubted the Lord. I identify with him also. But Thomas doubted the Lord when the other disciples came and said, we have seen the Lord. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe that. He's dead. I saw him crucified on the cross. I would not believe that unless I took my finger and put in the nail prints of his hand, took my hand and thrust it into his side. Well, what did Jesus do? Did he reject him because of his lack of faith? No, he appeared to him. And he said, Thomas, take your finger and put it in the nail prints and take your hand, thrust it into my side. Thomas didn't either. He simply fell at his feet and cried out, My Lord and my God. But Jesus loved him. Even in his doubts, Jesus loved him. Well, what about Judas? Judas betrayed him. He loved him. He continued to love him. I think that Jesus loved him all the way through. So Jesus loved the disciples, though they were not perfect. He loved all kinds of people, the publicans. As far as the Jews were concerned, they, they didn't believe that a publican could be saved because they had gone so far away from God. But Jesus loved them. In Luke 15, 1, it says, Now all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. One of the characteristics of Jesus is that sinners came to hear him because they knew that he loved them. Even though they were failed people, they came to hear Jesus because he loved them. Jesus loved those who were religious, even if their religion was wrong. When, when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, Nicodemus was a religious man. In fact, he was a teacher of religion. And Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. You're not going to see the kingdom of heaven otherwise. He said, Lord, how can I be born again? I'm an old man. How do I enter my mother's womb another time? So Nicodemus was a religious man when he came to Jesus, and Jesus still loved him. What about the Apostle Paul? Well, Paul was persecuting the church. Even, as, even in his persecution of the church, he was a religious man and Jesus loved him. Jesus loved the common people. When he ministered, the multitudes came and the Bible says that he ministered to them and he fed them. Why? Because he felt compassion for them. One of the most uh, telling traits to me about Jesus is that he loved the children. And the children loved him. You know, the, the thing I like about children, and well, one of the characteristics of children, is they know if you like them or not. That's the reason that you will see children coming up to some people and not coming up to other people. Because they know if you like them or not. Well, the disciples, I mean, the children came to Jesus, the disciples tried to run them off. 
They said, no, he's busy. You Don't you know that? He's, he's a busy man. You stay away from him. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. He loved the children. He even loved his enemies. He prayed for those who persecuted him. So as I, as I look at Jesus here, and John is speaking about love, he says, that love is in him. Jesus' love for man was unconditional. And he says, if we then are followers of him, that love is also in us. In 1 John 4, 17, John wrote, By this, love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. All right, so here's what John is saying. This unconditional love is in Christ. If it is in Christ and you're a follower of him, then it's in you. How do you know that? I doubt very seriously there's anyone here who would say, well, I don't love. I mean, we all love. So then how do we know that this love is in us? Well, if you look at verse number 10, he says, The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling of him. He says that if we are in this love, then we walk in his light. And what is the evidence that we are walking in the light? Well, we've already seen that it is the confession of sin. Lloyd Ogilvy said we are walking in the light when we confess our sins. My friend, when you are walking in the light of Christ, understand that you are walking in confession. That you're aware of your sin. And you confess your sin. That's a part of walking in the light. If I am walking in the light of Christ, then I am willing to confess my sin. Another characteristic of walking in the light is that we love the brethren. Westcott wrote, Indifference is impossible. There is no twilight in the spiritual world. I especially like the thoughtful statement made by Barclay. There is a kind of Christian attitude which enthusiastically preaches love to people in other lands but has never sought any kind of fellowship with its next-door neighbor, or even managed to live at peace within its own family circle. John insists on love for the man with whom we are in daily contact. Hmm. It's easy for us to be concerned about lost people in Boston, are you concerned about lost people in Colombia? It's easy for us to love those who have never heard the gospel in Africa. Do you love those who have not heard the gospel in Colombia? You see? If we walk in the light, we're concerned about people. If we are in his love and walk in the light, John says, then we are not in darkness. How do we know if we're walking in darkness? Well, if we're walking in darkness, we are harmful to others. My friend, very plainly, if you are walking in darkness, if you're living your life in darkness, then you're a hindrance to others. You're a hindrance to your spouse if you're walking in darkness. You're a hindrance to your children if you're walking in darkness. But not only are you harmful to others, you, by walking in darkness, are also harmful to yourself. Ogilvy wrote, when we choose the strategy or tactics of darkness, we inevitably end up 
under the control of darkness. Do you understand that? When we choose to live our lives in darkness, then we end up under the control of darkness. I I totally agree with that. If you're living your life in darkness, darkness will control you. Martin Luther wrote, See to it that he who hurts you does not cause you to become evil like him. For he is the victor who changes another man to become like himself when he himself remains unchanged. John says that this understanding of love is in him, in Christ. And if you follow him, then it is in you as well. Thirdly, he mentions light and love, dark and hate. One commentator says love and light go together. Much as hatred and darkness go together. Now, if you'll notice in verse number 9, he says, The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one, and this I especially want you to note, the one who says that he's in the light. Warren Wearsby wrote, It is easy to practice the Christianity of words, singing the right songs, using the right vocabulary, praying the right prayers, and through it all, deceiving ourselves into thinking we are spiritual. So he says there are those who say they are in the light, who say they are in the light, and who hate their brother. One of the things as Christians we like to say is that we are to love the sinner and hate the sin. And yet you know as well as I that the world does not believe that to be true. And I think the reason the world does not believe that to be true is because too often we hate both the sin and the sinner. He says here that the one who says that he's in the light can still hate his brother. The one who says. The one who says that he's in the light, but he says but he continues to walk in darkness. So there in verse number 11, but the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his his eyes. He says, now there are those people, now listen, there are those people who say that they are in the light, but they walk in darkness. They talk the talk, but they walk in darkness. And he says, these have been blinded to their spiritual condition." Wearsby said, he thinks he sees, but he is actually blinded by the darkness of hatred. This is the kind of person who causes trouble in Christian groups. He thinks he is a spiritual giant with great understanding when actually he is a babe with very little spiritual perception. Says that he's in the light, walks in darkness, hates his brother, Blinded and causes stumbling. Verse number 10. The one who loves his brother abides in the light. There's no cause for stumbling in him. I read the story about a, two men who were meeting in an alleyway. Both of them is at night. Both of them had a flashlight. As one got closer to the other, he noticed the other man had a white cane indicating he was blind. So as they drew closer to each other and he saw the man, he asked him, he said, Why would a blind man be carrying a flashlight? And the man said, I carry my light not so I can see, but so that others can see me. I cannot help being blind, but I can help being a stumbling block 
someone who says that they are in the light and walks in darkness is a stumbling block to other people. Big difference between saying that we are in the light and actually being in the light. It is one thing for us to say that we walk in light. It is something else to actually walk in light. What, what are the characteristics of walking in the light? Well, he tells us here that first of all, it is fellowship. A characteristic of walking in the light is that I have fellowship with God. I have fellowship with others. You know, the idea that as a Christian, I just withdraw to myself, that I don't need anyone, I'm not involved with anyone, I just live by myself and so forth. That's, that's not a characteristic of walking in the light. Walking in the light means that I am in fellowship, that I'm fellowship with God, that I'm in fellowship with others. Also, if I'm walking in the light, I don't stumble. Why? Because I'm walking in the light. If I'm walking in the light, I'm not tripping over things. I don't stumble, nor do I cause other people to stumble. If I'm walking in the light, then I'm growing spiritually. If you're walking in the light of Christ, then you're growing spiritually. Paul wrote in Galatians, and he said, characterizing uh, the spiritual growth is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. That's fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit of God is in control of our life, this is the fruit that we are producing. If the Spirit of God is in control of your life, then you are producing the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and gentleness and kindness. And so That's what God produces in your life. That's what the Spirit produces in your life. So, let me conclude. Jesus said in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. You know the kind of love that a Christian is to have? We hear that we, we are to love others as we love ourselves. That might not be adequate because there are people who do not love themselves. There are those who say that I am to love as I am loved. Jesus said as a believer, you love others. Why? Because he said, because I love you. See, that's a whole, that's a whole reason. I am to love people not because of what they do or do not do. I am to love because Jesus loves me. I love you because Jesus loves me. Well, the evidence of us walking in the light or the dark is determined by the way we live. That is the evidence. We are saved by grace. We're not saved by what we do. We are saved by His grace. But the evidence to others is the way we walk, the way we live our lives. So let me ask you a question. Are you walking in darkness or in light? Have you deceived yourself by saying, I walk in light, while in reality, you walk in darkness. There is a big difference between saying that we walk in the light and actually walking in the light. John says that if we follow Christ, we have this unconditional love for others. The evidence that we have that love is that we walk in the light. And when we walk in the light, we do not stumble, nor do we cause others to stumble.
Are you in the light or the darkness? As you look at your life, are you living in the light or are you living in the darkness? Our gracious Father, I pray today that you might allow us to see our hearts to the degree that we can, at least to know if we're walking in light, if we know you, if we've been born again. And Father, my fear is that some are religious but not renewed. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that during this invitation time, as you shine your light on us, as the Holy Spirit reveals to us our spiritual condition, that we will be receptive. Father, for those who are unsaved, that today they would. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Just a moment, we'll stand. Choir will sing a hymn of invitation. Opportunity for you. If you've never trusted Christ, come today. He loves you. He loves you. Let Him forgive you. Become your God. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you. Stand with me, please. As we stand, the choir sings. As they sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do. Thank you.